Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is the Women's Prize long-listed author, Kirsty Capes. Her book, Love Me, Love Me Not, is out next week as you listen to this. Welcome to the show, Kirsty. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for doing it. This is very exciting. Um, I think this is a big topic, probably a topic a lot of people are going to be familiar with. Mm. Topic I was not familiar with at all. Um, ah. So please introduce your person slash topic. Okay, so um, my person slash topic is uh, Jacqueline Wilson, and more specifically the uh, the vast canon of Jacqueline Wilson novels. Um, I was looking at some stuff up today and she's written over a hundred novels for kids, which I did not realise was the case at all. It's completely mind-boggling. Um, and I think for me, Jacqueline Wilson kind of is like the definition of what I was reading when I was nine, 10, eight, 11. Um, and I think she was like the only person as far as I can remember, definitely that I was aware of who was writing stories about girls in a kind of hyper-realistic, kind of like postmodern way that was so, so different to everything else that was like commercially successful in that kind of late 90s, early noughties, early noughties period of time. Um, and I just like have never gotten over her really. Um, I still think about those books all the time they've like embedded very weirdly into my brain and I think it seems to me like it's the same for a lot of other a lot of other girls of who were kind of growing up and reading those books at a certain time um in a certain period and I, th- I just find them really fascinating um and I think in terms of you know juvenilia there were a few different things um I think I could have talked about um, and it just seems like Jacqueline Wilson is the absolute number one thing mm. um, in terms of juvenilia in in, um, in my life when I was growing up. And especially because you're an author now as well. Yeah. Like those books were for me anyway, sort of slightly forbidden because of that hyper-realism and because of the subject matter that all of them contained, like Wilson's stepping into these really young voices in really shocking situations. Um, I remember reading Girls in Love um, at a sleepover when everyone else was watching The Exorcist. I right, stole, amazing. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able for it. So I stole away into the kitchen and read yeah. a copy of Girls in Love and was probably more traumatized by Girls in Love yeah, <laughs> than my I God. had by um or Girls Out Late one of those ones and yeah. um the very very pink cover and uh left shook I felt like I was cornered on all sides by difficult subjects possession and teenagers kind of young teenagers doing kind of out of their depth sexy things mm-hmm. that you're right about her catalogue her catalogue is super formidable right yeah absolutely yeah and always like I don't know how she does it she just like as you say that um girls out late is that that's the one where they um they go to a gig and they end up in the back of a van of like some really dodgy guys isn't it like three girls um yeah she always (laughs) managed to find like something even more horrifying to write about than like the previous and it's always like parents worst fears as well I think <laughs> um it's always like very dark stuff but tight told written and told in this like really accessible way that makes it like you know age appropriate but then also I, I was going to say it's a light touch, but I don't think it is a light touch. I oh, think she no. goes really hard. She goes really hard. <laughs> like she goes, not that every so often at the end of a juvenile episode, we go, God, could you make that today? Mm. And I look at Wilson's back catalogue, all, all hundred strong. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you get Tracy Beaker past sales today? 
Yeah, well, exactly. You know? I don't do know you? if you I don't do. think you do. I don't yeah. think you do get Tracy Beaker fast sales today. Absolutely. You know, you know I, there was someone on Twitter was saying a while ago, it's like, um, what's the, um, what's your Jacqueline Wilson related trauma story? Oh, yeah. Mine is um, when um, the mum in the illustrated mum painted herself white to get <laughs> rid of her white. tattoos. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It, literally, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. But like... <laughs> All of the illustrated mom is devastating. Like it's such a sad story. It really is, isn't it? It's such a sad story. And I think that there's a certain point in coming of age where you're kind of hungry for that kind of discomfort. I think that kind of hunger comes from the same place as the flowers in the attic hunger. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think you can absolutely draw a straight line line. between between flowers in the attic and um, Jacqueline Wilson. A hundred percent. Yeah. Al, what did you think of it? What do you make so, of this fiasco? <laughs> from, my from the other knowledge side. of Jacqueline Wilson going in was just that she wrote Tracy Beaker and I did not know what Tracy Beaker was about. I knew that the the girl uh. who played Tracy Beaker had been on Strictly and I'd seen some very, very short clips in her intro to Strictly and that was kind of it. I, in, I didn't know it was even set in a foster home. So Wow, really? I was very shocked slash like impressed slash admired like how nothing is sugarcoated like it's there's nothing really dumbed down especially the illustrated mom is like i said it's a devastating book mm-hmm. and it's so vivid and it she doesn't do happy endings really from the books that i i read i didn't quite i didn't get finished all the rows but i got a good bit into it so i know she does like the middle flats of victorian buildings uh with mothers who have have troubles um but yeah, again, I guess it goes back to, like we said with Fresno Attic, I did not realise girls were absorbing this kind of stuff. Oh, we yeah. Boys were not absorbing. Boys were not dealing with this level That's of why we're like this, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why we're like this. It's not that girls are naturally more mature. It's that girls read no. Jacqueline Wilson and Fresno Attic. Yeah, 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 at that yeah. end, we're, we're looking for ways to be afraid in controlled environments. Mm-hmm. And uh, flowers in the attic and various uh, Jacqueline Wilson books from, and I would argue even from younger than like 12, you know, they're always there to provide that really specific rib cage clenching feeling that mm. uh, the world is actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 gnarly stuff. But again, she's Wilson is beloved and multi award winning. To she's she's ubiquitous. She's a household name. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the subjects that she handles, like you wouldn't nearly dare call them issue books even though that's kind of what they are. Do you know? Mm. Mm. Like, it's a, it's, it's just a, a staggering career to have had dealing in that level of, um, like, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep falling back on horror, but I know you, you know what I mean when I say horror. Mm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, she describes them herself, I think, as issue books. I was reading an article, uh, I didn't know she was um, gay for one. Mm, um, that's kind of, and, but yeah. She only came out, she only came out recently. very recently, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. she hadn't really written about it before and she said because she didn't think, she said, she, she writes about problems and she didn't think being gay was a problem so she'd never written about it. Oh, Which is a very elegant way to <laughs> yeah, say it. She's, yeah. she's very, very elegant at um, introducing content warnings in the books as well. Mm. Like, at the start of the row, she's like, here's why I wrote this book. But it's also telling you this is a book about cancer and about domestic abuse. Yeah. So you know by the time you get past her intro whether the book is for you or not. And same as uh, Illustrated Mom, she's like, it's about this woman. I, actually, if I, the woman that she saw and inspired the Illustrated Mom, I would feel pretty offended. Yeah. I think yeah. she's like, I saw this <laughs> woman with two kids covered in You, man. Yeah, yeah, look like, like, like put paint all over herself. <laughs> she like, she's at the zoo or something, isn't she? And she's, yeah. She sees a mum with lots of tattoos. She's like, great, it's a book. Yeah, it's like a you tattooed seem person to me. must yeah, be yeah. mentally ill. You yeah. would call your child dolphin. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think we probably all know some like illustrated moms ourselves at this point because most yeah. people have tattoos and they're not like it's. Don't intend to paint myself anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. Like, oh, some actual sign of mental. <laughs> the illness. new week yeah. every week, you know. Yeah. Um, so, would you say that your reading of her and your journey with her? kind of woke up the part of you that's a writer now like where does your own work intersect with that childhood yeah. journey through Wilson well I think so I think that there's definitely you know I, I don't think I was doing it intentionally when I when I started writing you know my first book um, but now I can look back and very clearly see that there is you know 
a, a lot of influence from of Jacqueline Wilson in, in books and I think so my first book is called Careless and it's about um a 15 year old girl growing up in foster care who finds herself pregnant and that is on the face of it right that is like Jacqueline Wilson 101 and I think that um I think the thing that has made me kind of go back to Wilson again and again and again is that you know I grew up in foster care and for so long I think the only very visible representation of care in fiction that was very explicit in the fact that it was a story about foster care was the story of Tracy Beaker and Mm. I think that is the case for so many kids that grew up in care in like the 90s and the noughties but I think it's also like one of the most um the most pervasive kind of touch points for people who don't know anything about the care system Mm. um so you know if 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 I said to someone when I was you know in my teens I grew up in foster care they they would say oh like Tracy Beaker um Mm. and that's that's kind of the reference point that people go to um and I think I loved Tracy Beaker but then I also had quite a complicated relationship with her as a character Mm. as well because you know she's not necessarily the the most positive um care experience character and I think that um she does she does tend to reinforce some of some of the more negative stereotypes about care experience kids um and I think when I was writing my book about foster care which is not it's not a kid's book it's an adult book so I think you know lots and lots of differences between the two but I always kind of had a had Tracy Beaker in the back of my mind when I was writing in conversation with her yeah I think so yeah um and maybe kind of like a progression from what like what Tracy Beaker started as well Mm. and because that book was written in like 1991 or something that's a different Mm. that's a different universe it's unbelievable isn't it and I think you know even in like 2008 2009 even later than that people were still saying Tracy Beaker when when they thought of foster kids in fiction and the, ad- ad- the adaptation was enormous as well for, yeah the absolutely this huge this huge story about this tr- this troubled kid you know what always struck me about Tracy Beaker is that it's such a it's you're you're right in terms of she's not the best representation of, of what of what a foster kid or a kid growing up in foster care experiences and is and I thought it was like this is the flawed female protagonist you know what I mean like Tracy's having a hard time and that hard time manifests over and over it's a sad story mm-hmm. you know like um and I think that it's incredibly just just incredible just amazing that Wilson attempted it and that it became this huge national touchstone for so many people yeah absolutely yeah I think so and I think you know the fact that it has been so pervasive I think is like a testament to her like how she's how she told that story and how that character is so kind of iconic yeah um but yeah I assume there was like 20 Tracy Beaker books there's only like five or six yeah there's not many Yeah. yeah 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 But I mean, she's I still yeah. putting them out. Like, I think the most recent one came out in 2019. Wow. There was, you know, there was a really long gap and then she kind of revived. And the most recent books that have come up, come out are about Tracy's daughter. Um, wow. So nice thread of mother-daughter relationships going through that that mm. whole series. And then that, that has also um, um, been adapted into like a revived CBBC show as well. So it's still happening now. So it's like, you know, 20, 30 years later, kids are still watching Tracy Beaker on TV. It's like unreal. It's unbelievable. So talk to us a bit about Lola Rose. Yeah, so Lola Rose is, I think, is um, it's one of the last... Jacqueline Wilson books I read before I grew out of Jacqueline Wilson (laughs) so I think I read um I think the very last one I read was Midnight which um is an adoption story uh and Lola Rose was like late 2003 Midnight was early 2004 um and 
it's a story about um a girl called Janie who whose mum is basically getting beaten up by her dad and her mum wins a little bit of money on a scratch card I think it's like 10 10 grand or something and they um they decide to run away from from the dad and start a new life change their names go to new schools and basically start again but obviously the whole time that they're trying to build their new lives they have the they have the kind of shadow of of uh, Janie's dad looming over them they're terrified that he's going to find them and also their money's running out um because you know 10 grand is a fair bit of money but it's not gonna it's not gonna stay in them for mm-hmm. forever um and yeah I think probably this one maybe because I was a bit older when I read it but it really really affected me um and I think it was the first time I realized sort of contemporaneously like what what Jacqueline Wilson was trying to do with her books which is talk about these really really dark issues that are you know really difficult but also they it it happens this you know this stuff happens to people domestic abuse is like a real thing um that people experience every day and I think it was the when reading Lola Rose was the first time I twigged that that was actually you know this is a story about something that actually happens Mm. um and I think it changed the way I thought about those books um they weren't just kind of you, you know they weren't something that I could escape into um at school or um something that I could necessarily enjoy in the same way if that makes sense Mm. um and I think as well that that story there's also um towards the end of that book um Janie's mum finds out that she has cancer as well just like one thing on top of another Mm. (laughs) which I think is often the case with them with these books as well but um it was another thing because it was another thing that really affected me because I think at the time I there was someone in my family who was also um who also had breast cancer and I think it it just really affected me in a really really strange and real way um and I think Lola Rose is probably why I still think about Jacqueline Wilson now Mm. um and still try and kind of read those books critically because there's so much in it and I think as well, it's it, there's something that is kind of a, a running thread through all of like all of the books um, in that kind of nineteen the sort of nineteen ninety to two thousand and ten period of her work um, is there's always these really interesting dynamics between the kids, like the child protagonists and their parents as well. There's yeah. always stuff going on with the parents. And I think that's like the very much the case for children's fiction in general, because, you know, getting rid of the parents is like a, is a way to to create adventure in children's I did, fiction. I did my thesis at undergrad on Roald Dahl and um, food in Roald Dahl's work. And James and I Peach was the sort of central text. And um, I, to be very clear, I did this thesis because I had already read the books and they were this big. Everyone around <laughs> me was doing very serious critical theory work. And I was like, James M. Peach, don't talk about <laughs> he's busy. Totally not he's busy, very difficult, but I was being an asshole when I chose it. And um, as I was, I'll never forget going back through James and Diane Peach, which was one of my favorite books as a child, like standout favorite book for years. Um, they killed those parents page one. I feel like it's mm. paragraph one. James's parents were tragically killed by an escaped rhinoceros from the zoo. Mm-hmm. Gone, yeah. lives at the ants, done for, deceased, removed from the picture, inciting adventure. Like removing adults from the stories of children's fiction liberates them and mm-hmm. imbues them with tragedy, mm-hmm. which sort of centralizes their... It, it leaves room for their interactions. To, it's 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 a it's a science theory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, I you agree. See it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um. So, 
also because writing adults into children's lives as we see in Wilson's work comes with it all of adult pain Mm. right it comes with it illness it comes with it violence it comes with it addiction it comes with it like mental illness it comes with it deciding to paint yourself white because your ex-boyfriend father of your child is fucking shitty to you like it comes with all of the trickiness and muddiness and ugliness of adult life and I think Wilson doesn't really shy away in fact leans towards contextualizing the relationships between children and troubled adults yeah absolutely yeah that's ballsy in a landscape of liberated orphans you know (laughs) like liberated fictional children because it's also quite easy isn't it it's quite easy to get rid of your parents and then there's no rules and that there's no discipline kids can do whatever they like so even like harry potter you know um boarding school stories um superheroes all superheroes are always orphans all the time disney princesses yeah they generally just have a kind of a distant dad yeah exactly <laughs> jasmine bell fucking whole gang yeah elsa Dad's club elsa yeah on the top and know? it is isn't it it's the tragedy it's the tragedy so it's like easy backstory okay this character has trauma and then it's also <laughs> And there's also no rules. <laughs> there's also no rules. Off yeah. You go. And actually, yeah, you're so right. Do you know the parents are quite rarely dead in Jacqueline Wilson? They're usually around and they're usually problematic as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're a mess. Um, like, yeah. or they have like another family. Do you yeah. know? <laughs> like, like, oh, okay, your name is what now? Dolphin? Yeah. Okay, you know. Or they're, like... you know, like emotionally absent or or something. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's I mean those so the you know the story of Tracy Beaker illustrated mum mm. and Lola Rose all of these girl protagonists have really interesting and difficult relationships with their mothers yeah. and it's something that it's the scene that runs through all the way through her work um and I just find that really fascinating so it may have been she's very good at that as well she's very good at difficult mothers yeah absolutely very good at really really tricky mothers or mothers who are really good at a certain period in the character's life mm. and then aren't good at a different time or vice yeah. versa yeah um, or like mothers who you adopt into your life like strong female figures who you sort of accident yourself into the orbit of mm. teachers and that you know um but telling those kind of stories to children with a child audience in mind again super ballsy you know yeah in a landscape of of like railway children you know yeah absolutely yeah and I think the other thing that she does really well is that a a lot of the time those those parents like the mothers but also other parents in the books they're written in a way that the the child reader you know the eight time eight nine ten year old reader knows that that parent is is really fucked but the protagonist doesn't doesn't know it yet Mm. and to do that for for, to like to do that on a level for like a you know an eight-year-old reader to to understand Mm. is like so deft um there's an amazing thing she does in the illustrated mom where a couple of times dolphin says to marigold you're like a big sister and as and it's heavily implied for us that not really a mother but it, it never, ever comes back. Like, there's never any moment to be late. That's just a, a breadcrumb for us, for the reader to see. Yeah. Um, I, there was a really, there's a devastating bit in Lola Rose really early on where after they've run away, where Kendall, uh, they're talking about like how the dad um, beat the mother and Kendall says, oh, well, but you deserved it. Because he'd heard from his father over and over and they're like, you're like, oh, this isn't going to be as simple as now they're away. This is just a, there's other things going on like this small child has been absorbing things in a very different way than um Lola Rose has mm. um which I think if it was told from like one level up in a generation you wouldn't be seen as much of that but because the kids had their own relationship um in these YA books you get a lot more of that than you would in a, an adult book that was telling the same story I think mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a really hard move to show that mm. do you know yeah. mm. Like it's again just deft, incredible, clever storytelling that a child reader might not pick up. Or and like I don't know if Jacqueline Wilson's work was designed in the way that 
lots of other children's literature is, which is to be read to a child. You know, Wilson's mm. books always had the air of something that you picked up by yourself and you took away and you read alone. Yeah, I agree. I wonder whether, I mean, I think Norm, I think they might be a little bit too old to be kind of read aloud picture stories. Books. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or even uh, chapter books rather. Like, I don't know, we were, I was, a, I was in a very big constant reading aloud house the whole way. <laughs> oh, everything was read aloud. Um, and those were ones that weren't, you know, there are mm. some that you're mm. kind of expected to either avoid entirely or are a clandestine object. I suppose yeah you know like they had that they had that clandestine like there's something difficult here and covers that did not belie that at all mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> famously <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think as well so just sort of going back to that um how she how she's writing to tell the reader something that the characters don't know mm. I think with Tracy Beaker there's also the sense of Tracy being unreliable as a narrator um which again is like I I just find it really fascinating how she does it in a way that um signals to a child reader as well that this is the case um how do you show like how do you show a child reader that their narrator is kind of lying like yeah poof that's good you know it's like, crazy isn't it yeah and it's done and, quite playfully in beaker isn't it it's yeah. a little bit kind of like yeah all the hay fever stuff and yeah stuff. the talk right. of a mm-hmm. bold child you know like i think though, like, and... as kids you kind of know who the bullshitter in the, the playground is you know there's always that one kid who tells very big stories it was my little brother he used to tell huge stories um i think kids do have a have a good nose for that kind of thing yeah someone's true someone's, someone's exaggerating yeah yeah I definitely there was one girl I went to school with who um had Green Day play a concert in her back garden. Oh wow. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> My little brother came home from his first day of school and said there was a swimming pool in his classroom. I was like, we're in the same school. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> I've been in that room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I always appreciate people like that as adults. I always treat them a little bit like radio stations I can kind of tune into when I know somebody is mm. is just doing the big tales. I'm like, this is my ideal landscape because yeah. I am it is requisite that I do not contribute to this question this this conversation or mm. ask any questions. Yes, well, let them go. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Questions ruin the illusion. Let this person the sense himself relies on me not remembering any of this conversation once it's done. Is this the third time yeah. I've heard the bit? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Don't care. Let the tape go. I love it. I lo- I appreciate people holding the space in that way. I think it's a good. Uh, it's good for the social uh, economy. It's good for the um, good for the biosphere. Like it's, it's fantastic stuff. Would you ever? Would you ever write in that kind of vein yourself? Do you think? I well, I think I I've never I've never um I've always kind of thought of myself as not being someone who could write for children or who would be interested in writing children's books or YA. I don't know why particularly. I just think it's just you know, I'm not really a big fan of kids generally, so um I don't know. I don't really have many children in my life. So you know, I I don't know whether I could write for that audience um but I think in terms of the quote-unquote like issues-led book um I really find myself gravitating as a writer towards you know very kind of domestic small family stories which Mm. I say small but you know they're often very big and I think that kind of story is something that is often seen as being quite quite feminine um Mm -hmm. uh and falling into that kind of women's fiction category um which is you know that could be a a whole other conversation but um the pink washing (laughs) the pink washing of literature about women's interior lives absolutely yeah (laughs) never heard of it simply cannot be simply all sci-fi that features women is YA suddenly not that's an exaggeration that's an exaggeration but there's a pink washing um 
thing that happens and it's deeply disquieting and an, and an infantilization of that kind of work which is also deeply yeah, disquieting absolutely. you see it you see it happen all the time across genre and uh i i i know exactly what you're talking about stories yeah. that aren't small but are, are treated as small yeah and i think yeah aren't, aren't small but maybe like emotionally big and also mm. i think you know relatable as well um and I think so I, that's that's what I find that I I want to write about as a writer I want to write about women mm. um who live together who love one another um and who have to go through kind of the minutiae of the human experience together um and I think that there is like where I can see um I can see the kind of Jacqueline Wilson influence. Mm. Um, these my vignettes, first... like these family situations. Yeah, absolutely. Tight worlds with yeah. huge dimension. Exactly. And I think trying to get to like the emotional heart of something, which I think is what she does very well with her work. Um, that's what I want to, that's what I want to try and do with my work too. Mm. Um, I, my, my first book, Careless, um, because it had a 15 year old protagonist um, lots and lots of the kind of reviews and feedback I got were kind of positioned it as YA um, which I don't know like whether I, I definitely wasn't intended to be YA but I, I just it's interesting to me that it was it was thought of in that way um, but I think also it like kind of goes the other way as well like these are books that are meant for children but I feel like rereading them as an adult I get so so much more from them yeah and they're so quick to read as well so you can just bash mm. out like five in a day and um you know get loads of that loads kind of, of storytelling really is astonishing to me yeah absolutely astonishing to me I would love to write for children um but I think it's something I have to kind of go and study on my own before I attempt because I do have loads of kids knocking around me and I I I certainly do but I, I also think that they can smell a rat real quick yeah and 100%. I if I'm doing it I'm not I'm not messing you know and I've got to go do my homework first and part of the delight in doing homework in children's literature not unlike my thesis <laughs> is that they're quite chores um which is amazing to read but to write is is yeah. kind of terrifying I feel like the fewer words, the harder it is. Oh, right? yeah. You, oh, like yeah. Uh, I, you can write a hundred thousand word novel and just like muck about in, in the word count. And then kids you go down. That to... Kids don't have time for that. No. They don't no. Have time. Well, they do. But uh, they literally do have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they'd have the attention for, for it. I and I think they deserve stories that are told in a, like you're not, you're not teaching anybody anything with literature. I don't think you're providing windows to look out of. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that when you're writing stories for children, um, you are showing them how to tell stories. So I think, I don't know, the ones that I love, even having been a weird kid, were all ones that were mechanically told yeah. in this incredible way where everything fell together beautifully, you know? And that's a really hard task. In my own work, obviously, I'm dicking around doing all sorts of weird shit. And I just don't think that's going to fly with a 10 year old. Mm. Um, and it's also not fair. It's kind of selfish then to be like, I'm going to write a children's book and not consider my reader. Fuck them kids. And <laughs> I don't. I think if you're going to talk to a kid, you got to talk to them like they're smart, you know? Yes, and absolutely. Meet, them, meet yeah. them in their world with the kind of stories that that will serve them. Mm-hmm. instead of the stories to serve you whereas an, as an adult writer you can be like this is all about me here's my fucking feelings doot, doot, doot. you know you can just do <laughs> kind of whatever you want like what plot people will understand that but <laughs> yeah I think you can be more selfish when you're writing for adults um, and I think writing for kids is an act of labor and generosity maybe I'm fucking overthinking it and maybe I'm just frightened of the genre <laughs> of approaching the genre as a writer because I will undoubtedly fail in the process of trying to write a slim elegant volume for children um oh I think you're absolutely right I think kids are like 
probably the harshest critics. Oh yeah, um, they don't like a book that just put it down. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and that just goes across everything as well. You know, oh, you don't like... want it to feel like school. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I guess kids like school now, don't they? Um, yeah, I I don't know. I've been listening back. I've been listening to audiobooks of a couple of different kids' books to kind of try and get a a sense of them. Um, and they just sound like they're just so because you know, like you said earlier, about reading critically. Like you're not reading them for pleasure or for like entertainment necessarily. You're reading them to kind of learn something. And at that level, even with going back to Wilson, I'm kind of looking at the science of what she's doing. I'm looking at when things start happening. I'm looking at how things are revealed when they're when things show up, when you just when the secrets start start to come up to the surface, you know? Mm. And oh I don't know, it blows my mind. I'm not a writer, but like from reading those three books in quick succession, it's very apparent she has like there's a lot of technical skill yeah. in what she does. Huge in terms of modifying skill. her voice between Tracy yeah. Beaker to the illustrated mom to Laura Rose. The amount of complexity she's letting in or not letting in to those and aiming at exactly at that at that like two, three year age app going, these people understand this, they understand that. Mm. Um because there's there's there are a lot of commonalities between between the three books. There's always like the small shy boy who is a best friend there's a really all the mothers are beautiful as well all the trouble yeah. trouble beautiful mothers uh middle all... flats in edwardian houses <laughs> is a really specific thing that occurs in two of them <laughs> and sure all those can. girls are, are are kind of there is like a kind of role reversal in all three of them where mm. the maybe not so much in tracy beaker but definitely in the other two where the 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 daughter has to has to become do some of that sort of maternal labor for their mum yeah. and the mum becomes infantilized as well i found star fascinating in the illustrated mum because you can see her thinking that she has completely sidestepped her mother's like mis- mistakes and you can see her heading down into all of them again herself the way she's 13 and like hanging out with a six-year-old boy there's some weird stuff about the way often describes star's father looking at her which isn't followed up on but i there was a weird insinuation of something there that i found very uncomfortable i'm not sure if that was you being too vigilant or if that was actually in the text did you get that from there i don't think i did but i don't know i might have to go back mentioned finding it weird the way he was looking at her and she was like dancing for him and he like she was like doing a snake dance and she started or often found it weird the way he was looking at her or something. I always even as when I was younger always was like there is a sort of a creepy man common thread mm. in all of Wilson's work and that yeah. was always the bit that fucking like really 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 freaked me out about her work that she was not afraid to like put in this uh, menacing energy around mm. men who even weren't maybe doing anything but they were still menacing there was still a, a yeah. say, there was still a something is awry here and she could do it with a single sentence and then just drop it and move on. Again, that's a gift for their, that's an upsetting gift for the reader. <laughs> <laughs> that is not for Wee Dolphin to concern herself with. Because yeah. even though they are quite good books, there are like genuinely good people in them as well. Like, yeah. I think uh, Dolphin's dad, Michael, seems to be a, a normal man. Mm. Just a normal, he's just a normal man. Just, <laughs> just normal men. They're <laughs> so rare. Men. <laughs> yeah. And Auntie Jane and Uncle Eddie, I think, the foster parents. Yeah. They feel lovely. They feel like, they almost reminded me like they were like out of a Discworld novel. They felt mm. like, Auntie Jane felt like one of the witches from Discworld. Almost just this very, almost like, kind of an elemental modernness, you know, just kind of, she was just a, like an earth mother kind of thing. Yeah. It was just what she exists for. I, found her re- I really enjoyed her being around. I was, I was kind of bummed out that the book ended so quickly after she was introduced. I kind of wanted to hear more from her. But um, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, showing that wide variety of adults is brave again. Like mm. not just uh, one good, one bad and all that. It's a whole, it's a, there's a whole adult world like right there in front of the children. There's yeah. no, and there's, it, these are not escapist works you know yeah absolutely mm. and also having those shades of gray as well in the adults too like um you know the social workers in um mm. story of tracy weaker they're mm. all you know trying to do trying to do the right thing but they're also <laughs> kind of shitty sometimes as well um mm-hmm. 
and don't know how to you know communicate with these kids um yeah there was a there was a book that um came out uh a little bit after when I stopped reading her so I haven't read it but I've heard about it and it's called Love Lessons and it is about a relationship between a teacher and a, and a, a young girl in his, in his class so she really fucking goes in and that's one of those ones where it's like I I I don't know whether that would have got through a publishing meeting um today yeah. in the year of our 2022 yeah certainly not <laughs> certainly not and I mean like um so midnight is um you know what it, the main character her brother is adopted into the family and at the start of the book they've just found out that he was adopted um and it's a big kind of revelation and there's like a bit of an incest vibe going on between those two as well there's like there's you know things like that i'm telling you i'm telling you teenage girls love flower in the out love that shit love it but it's like like you wouldn't touch that with a barge pole now it's like i can see i can see that email i can physically see that email i can see the tumblr post with all the hashtags underneath it and then the Seven hundred thousand notes. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, I, I, it's like some authors get so big and they can use that power for to and then get through whatever they want and they can use it for good or they can use it for evil and it feels yeah. like Jacqueline Wilson's going. I'm going to cover everything I would not be allowed to cover if I was a new author. Yeah, go yeah. do it for us, Wilson. Go do it for, it for us. Yeah, Off you go write that weird <laughs> shit. You know. <laughs> bleaker and bleaker still. Tracy fucking bleaker, man. Like that's what we're doing. Like. <laughs> gotta hand it to her you know and like there's so much there's so much conversation ongoing endless conversation about uh purity culture and where that intersects with modern literature for young people and like really there's a lot of really tricky conversations in and around YA my first two books in America were presented as YA and were adult in yeah uk and ireland so i have sort of a foot on each side of the fence and i've firmly in my more recent work hopped into the adult side of the fence um because though often my characters are quite young i don't i don't know i think bad like like i think bad shit happens to teenagers and teenagers do bad shit all the time and i want to stop having to be concerned and afraid that i'm gonna do something that harms a reader do you know yeah like again arguably you know I don't know if that's a real thing but I also I don't know it's a really I, I I had to move away from way because I don't know if I'm able to do it and I think knowing when you're beat knowing when your own work doesn't meet the needs of an audience is a really or meet the like the the, the, the temperature of an audience um I don't know but I got it I'm glad Wilson's still out here doing it yeah <laughs> you know like I really am like I really am and I yeah think, me too because I think because I think teenage girls want to read fucked up shit yeah I think, I think they do too no one braver yeah. and more insane than a teenage girl no I think one. all of the worst things I ever did in my life were between the ages of like 15 and 17 oh my god same <laughs> I was like, an, I was an absolute heinous which I was awful to everyone. <laughs> I just think I cried for about eight years. But while I was doing that crying, I was also just to run around. But you know, I was yeah. just so bold. And I was asked recently at a work at a work panel at a university. So one of the students asked me what kind of books I read as a teenager. And I kind of my the first person I was on the panel with gave her answer, and I kind of was like, I didn't really read as a teenager. You know, I did read, yeah. but I didn't not the way you think I did. Do you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was simply working at a pub. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading and playing video games to a certain extent, but I was mostly working in a pub, going to school and kissing people. That was kind yeah. of my like I was kind of a dirtbag. And I it kind of felt like a bit of an admission, do you know, that like I wasn't like very studious, very kind of you know, like not a, mm-hmm. not a, not a, not not a bad kid, but not a good kid either. You know, and um, a kid, a kid, yeah. just a generic <laughs> child, <laughs> just a generic, generic teen girl, and um, and I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm glad that Wilson is still writing that work, and I, I'm glad that readers are still going towards that work and finding 
windows of compassion with it. I wonder how many people who read Beaker went on to become care workers, for example. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know? Do you come back to them often now, or are, are they, like, firmly something you read when you were a kid? Well, so funnily enough, Sarah, mentioning your thesis on Roald Dial, I did quite a bit of Jacqueline Wilson for my PhD thesis. Oh, um, and I was mainly looking at um, representations of care. So mm. obviously Tracy Beaker, but then also um, Marigold from The Illustrated Mum yeah. grew up in foster care. At the end of that book, Dolphin and Star are taken into foster care. Um, there's adoption stories. There's um, Dustbin Baby is another one where... <laughs> the main character was found in a dustbin as a baby of course she was <laughs> uh, and she she's um taken into care and she's she goes on this kind of quest narrative to find her her birth mother um so i think so i finished that like 2019 uh just before um the plague struck but um i would I, I think i hadn't looked at any of them for a very long time and I knew that if I was going to write about foster care in my thesis, I had to, had to, had to talk about Tracy Beaker. Yeah. And then I think that kind of going back to Tracy Beaker and then kind of looking at doing research into Jacqueline Wilson and, you know, her background and upbringing, which I, I felt like that was quite important to include um, when thinking about uh, own voices, narratives, let's say. Yeah, what was Wilson's um, own background like? Well, basically um pretty normal <laughs> so she she didn't grow up in foster care so i i looked at um some other authors who had also written children in care into their books and looked at their backgrounds as well um so there was a range there was some who had not been in foster care some who had and then um you know like social workers and stuff who'd written about care but um Jacqueline Wilson was not um in foster care she seems to have grown up in like a pretty normal like suburban middle class family um but that she's also sort of hinted at you know you know her parents had quite a sort of uh difficult relationship and they divorced when she was a kid as well so there's that but I think also I, I think I think it I think it's important to just let people write about whatever they want to write about as long as they've done it they've done their research and you know their due diligence mm -hmm. yeah ask a couple of people who might have gone through it say. exactly exactly <laughs> like hand your book to some people who have some lived experience of what absolutely. you're writing about. Get some yeah feedback. engage with other people absolutely which I think she did because ah, yeah. like, for the I initially there was uh when um the the revamped um tracy beaker as an adult books came out uh the first one was called my mum tracy beaker and it was announced in the press and it was like a really big deal because it was like returning to tracy beaker after all of these years and she gave an interview to i think the guardian or the observer maybe where she was talking about how you know as a mum as an adult tracy beaker you know she's she's having quite a difficult time she's a single mum uh she's living on benefits in a council estate and she can't really hold a job down and there was a huge backlash on twitter basically people who grew up in foster care saying this is you know reinforcing everything that people already think about care experienced people um please can we have please can we have some some change a different kind of narrative about foster care and she she listened and she met with a bunch of um care experienced people it was facilitated by a charity and consulted with them and she changed the book wow. um and then she did the same for the the second book in the sort of reboot which was called the beaker girls um she did the same thing where she um she had input from care experienced people on on the manuscripts basically had like a collective sensitivity read great um mm. so i like a completely different approach i think from the initial um which i think probably is a sign of a sign of the times that we're living in as well um but also like just a really good and, <laughs> and diligent thing to do like if mm. you're writing books like 
do some research it's not like a it's not controversial to say that no um so yeah anyway I went on a massive tangent I can't remember what the question was (laughs) oh yeah that was it yeah 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 so uh yeah so I was looking at her for my PhD and um I went down a bit of a rabbit hole basically with uh Jacqueline Wilson generally and I I looked at her other books I looked at the ones that rep that looked at care and then I I just ended up rereading all of my favorites from that time and then kind of I it seemed to it seemed to be that like lots of people on Twitter were talking about her as well I think maybe because of the re the um CBBC show um coming back like last year or the year before you know there was sort of like a bit of a Jacqueline Wilson renaissance and people were sharing like their favorite memories their favorite <laughs> their favorite like imprinted trauma moments and all of that kind of stuff we've all got one we've all yeah. got one <laughs> um and yeah I think I just really found myself you know appreciating them again in a different way as an adult and again like with that kind of more uh, doing a bit more of a critical reading for my thesis but then also just for myself as well and um enjoying those threads that ran through all of them um yeah so I think I'm probably going to just go back to her like every now and again for the rest of my life dip your feet back into the river exactly yeah. exactly dip a toe <laughs> There we go. I think that's it. Yeah. What an amazing Thank journey. Thank you so yeah. much. Christy Capes, please plug yourself. Yeah. Where, where can we read you? you? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> so my um my first book is called Careless. And if you like Jacqueline Wilson, I think you will like Careless. Um uh that's out now with Orion. And then my second book is called Love Me, Love Me Not, and that is going to be out in July. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Kirsty Capes and on Instagram at KirstyCapes.author. Amazing. Sarah, where can we find you? My house, Alan. Still, <laughs> still by the mountains. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Grifsky on Instagram at Sarah Grifsky. Uh, my Patreon is going to wriggle to life again very soon. If you'd like some zines, it's patreon.com forward slash zine club. Spare and parts and other words for smoke are available in all good bookstores. I will have news about for further fiction soon uh what about you all um, i'm alan underscore mcguire everywhere juvenilia is juvenilia underscore pod on twitter juvenilia pod on instagram uh we have a patreon mm. where we do bonus episodes it's good. um where we talk about what we started and finished recently so we talked about our jennifer egan oh um, yeah um top chef what else we talk about stuff like that Often video games, sometimes very old TV reality shows. Say each other yeah. music off our phones occasionally. Mm-hmm. You might get a tune out of us. It's very intimate and nice. It's very cozy. So please come and hang out with us on Patreon so we can yeah. continue to um, exist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Thank you, Dee. Um, we, I think, have hit 250,000 downloads as of last week. No way. In the lifetime of the show. That's gorgeous. So thank you to everybody who's ever downloaded an episode or told your friends about it or acknowledged us in any way. Uh, We love doing this and we're very glad that we're still doing it after all this time. Mm. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Cassie. And thank you to All Tales. Thank you. Um, We'll see you in two weeks, everybody. See you then. Bye. Bye.